If you're a contender in the Eastern Conference and the Brooklyn Nets already have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then they go out and add James Harden, yes, the clock is ticking. If you thought the East was competitive before that, the addition of Harden, I think it puts every contender on the clock. So if you're the Sixers, the Heat, the Pacers, the Celtics, who blinks first? Who makes that move to keep pace with the Brooklyn Nets? It's the NBA Cypher. Let's go. Who blinks first? Who blinks first in the Eastern Conference? Is it the Miami Heat? The Celtics? The Sixers? Do the Nets know for sure they have enough? The impact of the James Harden trade, it's felt throughout the league, but for different reasons in each conference. In the Eastern Conference, the impact is all the other contenders are wondering if we have enough. And if we don't have enough, do we have the assets to go out and get better? Look, James Harden was the biggest superstar to come off the board. There's no debating that. And he wasn't even on the board. He, he got his way out of Houston, but he still had two years on that contract, on that deal. And I think that's the ripple effect on the rest of the NBA overall. He's not the only disgruntled superstar, and he's not the first or the last. Many people are talking about how he left the Rockets. That was a bad breakup. But it wasn't that long ago when Anthony Davis left the Pelicans. That was ugly as well. When superstars want out and they still have a year or two or three on their contract, it almost always ends in an ugly fashion. But I digress. Let's get back to the East. You're the Bucks. You acquired Drew Holiday to go along with Chris Middleton and Giannis. I like that threesome, but when you watch the Bucs play, as I've said, said before, they run the offense the same way. They don't get a lot of off-the-ball movement, and I think they're in desperate need of another ball handler, another creator. So none of these players that I have on this particular list are free agents. There are a few veterans that are in the last year of their deals, but they have value in lesser roles. Some of these guys were number one options. Others were proven stars on the other side of their primes. And there are also some young players in here in the prime of their careers. But each is on franchises that are in flux one way or another. I think the Milwaukee Bucks would have a lot of value in someone like Cal Lowry a veteran point guard, a championship point guard, who not only is among the league leaders in charges taking, he's still averaging 18 points a game, seven assists, and he's one of those guys that is a tenacious competitor and has a knack for taking and making big shots. And I, I suppose the drawback would be he's 34. I understand that. He's 34, but he's still playing at a high level And I think the Sixers are trying to win now. 
because the Nets are showing you. They're trying to win now. They're not thinking about five years from now, right now. And the smart franchise that wants to come out of the East or at least keep pace with the Nets have to recognize that. The Celtics have two incredibly talented bookend wing players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Love Marcus Smart, a winning, tough-minded basketball player. And they're going to get Kimba back. The question with Kimba is, is less more, meaning maybe they should cut back on his minutes so there could be more of him, a healthier version of Kimba in the playoffs. But even with him back, I think the Celtics would do well to pursue another scoring option, just to take some of the pressure off of Brown and Tatum. I think Nick Vucevic of the Magic would be a perfect fit for the Celtics. He's a big that not only can post up and be effective, but he can step away from the basket, shoot the three, space the floor, very good passer, averaging around four assists per game, and he's in the prime of his career. He's 30 years old. He's in his prime. If you watch Nick Vucevic play, he's very similar to Paul Gasol. I think his value would be felt on both ends of the floor. Not known for being a great defender, but he's competitive on the defensive end. Boston needs another bucket getter. Most times we think of going perimeter, but they already have talent on the perimeter. I think they need a scoring big, and Vucevic would fit that bill. I also think that if the Celtics aren't interested, I think the Hornets would be interested in him as well because they've got Terry Rozier, they've got Devontae Graham, and then LaMelo Ball. They've got a three-guard crew. And when you look at what LaMelo Ball has done, he's pushing for more playing time. Bismack Biombo has done a solid job in the middle, but he's better off coming off the, off the bench and playing in spot minutes. Vucevic would give them a pressure release in the half-court set. He'd also give them another willing passer. That's the value that he has. When you look at other contenders, I think the Sixers are also one of those teams. They're wondering what would it take to acquire a Zach Levine? Most teams are probably wondering if the Wizards are going to trade Bradley Bill. Obviously, the Wizards have said what you expect them to say is they have no intentions of trading Bradley Bill. But if the Wizards record continues down the path that they're currently going, it's only a matter of time. Bradley Bill's 27. If this is another lost season and they end up in the lottery again and he's 28, yes, Bradley Bill will ask for out. He'll want out. And I don't know if they want to wait till it gets to that point. You're never in a rush to trade away talent, but you also have to be aware of not just your franchise's finances, but your actual overall talent. When you look at the Wizards top to bottom, I'm talking about Wizards management. Do you see a team that's going to be a contender within the next year, the next two years, the next three years? By the time they're in a position to be one of the elite teams in the East, Bradley Bill will be 30 or over and maybe not quite the player that he is today. What I'm saying is the Wizards have a history of finding a way to mess things up. Whether or not they choose the trade bill, there's great value out there for him. I'm sure the Sixers, the Heat, 
the Nuggets would all want Bradley Bill. The great thing about Bradley Bill is he's not a he's not a situational player. He can fit into any system because of his skill set and his shooting ability. When you look at a team like the Brooklyn Nets, the Nets went all in on their trade for James Harden. And I've watched their two games so far with Harden and Durant. They have a natural chemistry with each other. The Nets are going to be a problem. That's just with Harden and Durant. If they can find a way to incorporate Kyrie, I'm not saying anybody's unbeatable because the Nets do have a weakness. They've gotten incredibly small. Their only true big is DeAndre Jordan. And should he go down from a nagging injury that cost them two, three weeks or more, teams are just going to smash them on the boards and on the inside. So I know that the Nets, while they don't have the trade assets to bring in a big name big, I do think they're going to be buyers in the buyout season. When when the buyout time comes, I'm going to look for the Nets. Maybe they won't wait that long. Maybe they do have enough to pursue someone like a JaVale McGee who can be a solid rebounder and rim protector, and he runs the floor. Cleveland has Andre Drummond. They just they just got Jared Allen from the Nets. And they also have JaVale McGee, not to mention Kevin Love. So they have more than enough bigs. They also have Larry Nance Jr., who, while he's 6'8", he plays bigger than his size. I think the Brooklyn Nets, for all their talent, are in desperate need of a rim protector slash rebounder. They don't have the assets, but the buyout market will be there, and I expect one of the people they go after will be a JaVale McGee. Maybe the Knicks will give up on Nerlens Noel and he'll be available. Or maybe he's available now for that second-round pick. Going forward, though, what about Buddy Hill? There's a lot of value for the talent of Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill's not a first option, but I think he has the talent and can be productive enough to be a third option on a contender. Tyler Hero is a name you hear tossed around a lot, but Pat Riley is not going to let him go for nothing short of a Bradley Bill. And even then, I'm not sure Pat Riley's committed to doing that. That's how much he thinks of Tyler Hero. The veterans, here's another veteran that I want to talk about. Look at DeMar DeRozan. Still giving you 20 points, six rebounds, seven assists, 46% from the field, 34 from three. DeRozan can still get buckets at age 32. Maybe a return back to the Raptors as a second or third option. Or to the Heat. Would Milwaukee have used for DeRozan's skill set? Initially, I said no, but... You don't have to play him and Giannis at the same time. I think if DeRozan was leading your second unit, or let's say he's the primary scorer on your second unit, that could work as well. He has value. Matter of fact, when you look at the Spurs, who are actually 7-6 and and respectable and still in the hunt, this is early. We're 13 games into this NBA season. But the Spurs have four veterans, DeRozan, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay, who are all in the last year of their deals. And I think all of them could help different teams. Depending on what Pop in the front office want to do going forward, 
I could see Patty Mills maybe getting taken by the Warriors who desperately need more shooting. Or maybe the Warriors make a move and, and make a deal for someone like a veteran like J.J. Redick. I know the thinking is Golden State is not a title contender. This is true. That doesn't mean that they don't have pride and that after a lost season last year, Steph, who's on the other side of 30, is not trying to throw away seasons. Maybe they want to just get into the playoffs and compete. If they could get a J.J. Redick or a Patty Mills, even a LaMarcus Aldridge, who's not what he was in his prime, but could still give you double-digit scoring, great locker room presence, they would all have value for the Warriors. Andre Drummond on Cleveland, 27 years old, averaging 19 points, 16 rebounds, but he's in the last year of his deal. The Cavaliers have a talented young backcourt. They've got some other young players on their team. Imagine DeAndre Drummond on the Nets, the way that floor is spaced. How many lobs would he catch? That would be crazy. That's not likely because I think a team like the Celtics, while they would prefer the shooting of Vucevic, what DeAndre Drummond gives you is the rebounding, and he gives you an inside force. He will end possessions. You could play great defense, but if you get beat on the boards and they extend that possession, eventually your defense collapses and they score. Drummond, when you average almost 17 rebounds a game, you end possessions, and that's value. So I think that the Celtics might consider DeAndre Drummond, and, and the Cavaliers might consider moving him because if they don't think he's part of their future – why not move him and try to get value? Derrick Rose. I think D. Rose can still be that guy off the bench. He's the, the Pistons' second leading scorer right now. And a team like the Clippers would have value. The Blazers. When you've got C.J. and Dame, they need another guy that can put it on the deck and create when either one of them is out of the game. So I can see D. Rose having value there, even on Milwaukee. And I know we talked about spacing. No, D. Rose is not a great three-point shooter. But his quickness, he's lost some hop, but he hasn't lost any quickness. Derrick Rose is still an explosive scorer who can still facilitate and create for others. I'd be shocked if he's not moved before the trade deadline. <laughs> I'm bringing this up, obviously, because this is a move that was talked about early into this season, and it finally happened. James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets, and it does have an impact on the league. More importantly and more directly, it does have an impact on the contenders in the East. So when I bring up some of these potential moves, like a DeRozan, even an Aaron Gordon, who's not a star, but I think Aaron Gordon is the perfect third option. Versatile defender, can play the three and the four, and can guard wings. Not to mention his ability to post, get in the open floor, and finish around the basket. There is help out there. It doesn't always have to be a superstar. If you're a very good team, maybe all you need is a productive role player or someone who's not necessarily a number one option, but at a number two or a number three like a Levine, like a B, like somebody like Bradley Beal, or to a lesser degree, 
Cal Lowry, a proven veteran that's won titles. Andre Drummond, talented, but not a superstar. But what if you put him around dynamic wing players? What if he got to play with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill space the floor? There's options out there in both conferences. Now, I haven't brought up the Western Conference for a good reason. Because everybody else in the Western Conference, they have a problem already. It's called the defending champions, Los Angeles Lakers. I haven't said anything about potential Laker moves. Not because they don't have the assets to make a move, because they do. But because as it currently stands, with their roster, when you add arguably the two best six men in the NBA to your roster, you become an even bigger problem. Then you add a veteran center with a super high basketball IQ like Marcus Gasol, a proven three and D guy like Wesley Matthews to Kyle Kuzma to KCP. That bench just got that much deeper. That starting lineup just that got that much more explosive. There are no guarantees. It is not a lock. Of course, the Lakers are the favorite in the West. And the same things I said about some of the contenders in the East, it does apply to the West. I did mention the Clippers because as well as Paul George is playing, and right now in terms of scoring and shooting and efficiency, Paul George is playing lights out. He, he looks like an MVP candidate, but we don't judge Paul George on what he does in the regular season. And really the same applies to Kawhi, except he's already won. The same applies to Giannis and James Harden and others. But I do think when you look at the Clippers, because so much of their ball handling and facilitating is put on George and Kawhi, I think that wears on them. They need another guy, be it a more traditional point guard like Kyle Lowry or a scorer like Derrick Rose to take the ball out their hands so maybe Kawhi can catch the ball in the post or turn and shoot or come off a pin down. Something to diversify their, their offense and take the ball out of those two guys' hands I think would make the Clippers a much more deadly team and a much more balanced team. In the end, everybody in the West is still chasing the Lakers. And everybody in the West, they didn't get better. The Nuggets were terrific in the bubble. We all know this. You don't come back 3-1-3-1 back-to-back. Get to the Western Conference Finals if you don't have talent. Everybody came into this season thinking the biggest threat to the Lakers in the West could very well be the Nuggets, and the Nuggets have not put it together. Obviously, they allowed Jeremy Grant to go in free agency. And they never really replaced him. Michael Porter Jr. is a talent, but Michael Porter Jr., one of his failings, if you want to call it that, is he can't stay healthy. And one of the greatest skill sets, as they say, the best ability is availability. If you're trying to win now and you've already got Joker and you've got Jamal Murray and you've got... Monte Morris and some other talented guys. Yes, the Nuggets do need that third score. Is Porter going to be there when they need him? Or he's is he going to be on the IR? That's why I think the Nuggets would do well to take a look at pursuing a Zach Levine. 
maybe not having to give as much up to get a DeRozan who in a, in a lesser role can give you 16 to 18 a night, can help you in different ways of scoring because of his ability to get to the free throw line. And he's a proven veteran scorer. I thought the Nuggets would take a step up and they didn't. The Clippers, I thought, would do what was needed, which was pursue a point guard. That never happened. And of course, when you look at the Blazers, it looks like the same team. And I enjoy watching the greatness of Damon CJ. And they have solid role players. They're in desperate need of another score. And they never did address that, or at least they never were successful in addressing that. And until they do that, look, even if they do that, let me say this about Portland. Right now, with just CJ and Dame, they're one of the top scorers, scoring teams in the league overall. But they don't stop anybody. And I don't care if it's, if it's Golden State who struggles to get buckets or Sacramento or whoever. You can get buckets when you play against Portland. And that's the biggest problem of all. They don't stop anybody. And if you can't get stops and teams can feast off of you and your two best players never get easy buckets, everything is tough. You're not a title contender. You're a playoff contender. And that's my biggest gripe with Portland's front office. They didn't really do anything to address their most glaring weaknesses. Denver, they lost Grant and thought Porter would just step right in. And talent-wise, of course he could. But he's got to be there, and he hasn't been there. And maybe they want to look at somebody like trying to acquire Siakam or maybe bring in Buddy Heald or someone like that. My point is, which team is going to – I'm going to go back to that. Which team will blink? And not just the contenders because too often teams that are trying to rebuild, like the Charlotte Hornets, who you see what they're doing, and you're like, okay, they've got a plan. The New York Knicks, you see what they're doing, they've got a plan. Cleveland Cavaliers, with those two talented guards, you see what they're doing, they've got a plan. But will they stick to the plan or will they give in to the pressure of now? I like what the Knicks are doing. Julius Randle's a talented player. No, he's not going to be the best player in a title contender, but he can be the best player on your team right now. He's a veteran, but he's a 26-year-old veteran, which means he's young enough to be part of the Knicks' future. And with the development of Barrett, the continued development of Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, I like Emmanuel quick, quickly. Obi Toppin will get more minutes. He will get better. He will get more accustomed to the speed of the NBA game. I think the Knicks will add another young, talented player next offseason. They have a plan. I like what that front office is doing with Leon Rose. I like what Tibbs is doing the way this team competes. So I don't think it's it's fool's gold when you're watching these Knicks. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I do think the way they compete and don't give up things they would have done last year when they get by, got down by double digits, that matters. It should matter to the fan base, and it should matter to the players going forward. Same for the Charlotte Hornets. Look, a lot of people think Jordan's the GOAT. When it comes to owners and GMs and that kind of combination, he's kind of the woke worst owner of all time. I'm just saying, to this point, I like the plan. When you've got Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, you have a talented backcourt. Graham, even though he's struggling shooting this year, still averaging just under seven assists per game, 
LaMelo Ball has been very effective coming off the bench. I like that they're bringing him along slowly. But if the opportunity comes up to where they can pursue and get a big to go with this core, someone like a Nick Vucevic, or maybe they go after a John Collins, who you know, this is his last year in Atlanta. They tried to sign him to an extension. It didn't happen. There's no way the Hawks are going to let him just walk straight into free agency and get nothing in return. So I think that's somebody that the Hornets and others will pursue. 13 games in, it's interesting. 13 games in, the Harden trade makes the NBA fun. John Morant getting back healthy makes the NBA amazing. Let's see what happens when we get 30 games into the season. And then you really see what these teams really are when they're whole. You get to see the chemistry or lack thereof. A lot of these teams that are in the top 10, they will fall off into their natural places in like 9, 10, or 11. Feel me? But when you look at a team like the Phoenix in the West, they've been good. I like the three that they have, but I'm I'm more sold on Chris Paul and Booker than I am on DeAndre Ayton. I think he's talented. I don't know if he's got that dog in him. I, I don't really see that in him. How about this? We're proposing trades. Let me throw one out there. Here's a star who has superstar talent, who's who's on contract on the books for another three, four years, who's not happy. Um, look, he's he suffered some tremendous losses. I'm talking about Carl Anthony Towns, lost his mother, rest in peace, lost some other family members that are close to him to COVID, and he himself has it. All I can say is get well um, and, and speedy recovery, young fella, real quick. And look, no one can know the trauma that's, that, that, that's extended or is happening with him, but him. So I would say, yes, I'm sure you want to get your body right. But more importantly, before you come back to play basketball with all you've had to deal with, get your mind right. And I'm saying that to say this, that eventually when he can focus on basketball, I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to look at Minnesota and realize I'm not, I'm not going to compete for a title here. I want to go back to what I said before. He is a superstar talent. I don't think he has the mentality to be a number one option. But what if Carl Anthony Towns were traded to the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton? That would give Minnesota a centerpiece to replace him and to go along with the young core that they're trying to build. That would give Phoenix a, a, a big who not only can post, but Carl Anthony Towns shoots the ball great for not a big. He shoots the ball great for a two guard. He's that great a shooter. A lot of people hang on what Embiid does from time to time from three, what Joker does from three. Neither one of them can shoot like Carl Anthony Towns. That includes AD. AD is a better player. But we're talking about shooting. Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting big in the NBA, including Przingis. And I want to give a shout out to some other podcasts that they deserve some love. I was thinking about my guy, Windows, from Windows World Sports. 
Interesting guy. He has some very interesting takes on all sports. You got to check him out. That's Wendell Wallace. He's on YouTube. He's got a podcast. If you go to this group, Sports Podcasts and Podcasters, you can check out his podcast as well as others. Not to mention the Off the Ball podcast with my guy, Chris LeBron. I've checked out his show a couple of times. This guy is really sharp, knows not just about basketball, but other sports as well. So I would say if you're looking to listen to a podcast, this this Facebook group, Sports Podcasts and Podcasters, it's kind of like going through the mall, but this is like shopping through the sports podcasting mall. You will find something for your ears, be it basketball, football, MMA, hockey. This is the spot for you. So check these brothers out. I will be back next week. Next week, this is my new commitment. I will drop a show every Tuesday. And I'm only saying that to put myself on the spot because I haven't been as consistent as I've wanted to be these last couple of months. So I'm back on a mission not to just get consistent and put out content, but reconnect to the people who listen to this show. And I'm most appreciative of anybody that does. I'll be back next Tuesday with H. And we're going to have a debate about who are the top 10 3 and D guys in the NBA. And most of the time when we say 3 and D, you're thinking somebody like a Danny Green or someone of that ilk or Robert Covington. But I'm going to include guys that are primaries that play defense and shoot the three at a high level. Who are the best three and D guys in the NBA, the top 10 three and D guys? I'm going to get into that in the next show. It's the NBA Cypher next time.